Tonight's topic, it continues in our series of words from a dying Savior. And I told Adam this just a few minutes ago when we had first met and, and this series had, had been discussed and we'd kind of gone back and forth with the calendar and this is what he'll be preaching, this is what I'll be preaching. And the one that I was most nervous about was the one that I did two weeks ago. And then I started preparing for this and uh, this is now the one I'm most nervous about. Um, I'm going to give a little plug to our church library. Uh, if you do not use it, please use it. It's a, a great resource. Uh, I use it quite a bit. And uh, normally, uh, I, I appreciate the, the challenge that these lessons have provided me. I know Adam would probably say the same thing. But when we got to this topic, and tonight's topic is, I thirst... One of the sayings of Jesus on the cross, I thirst. And I thought, well, I don't really know where to go with this. And so I thought, well, I'll just go in the library and pull out a commentary. And I've done that quite often. And uh, it will give me direction. And I'll know where I'm supposed to go. And I pulled out the commentary, the Truth For Today commentary, which I rely upon so much and have so much information. If you hadn't used them, I encourage you to, unless this is the topic. Because when I opened up the book, it said, it basically had two sentences on this verse, and it said this may or may not have been a reference to two psalm, two verses from Psalms, and then it went on to the next saying of Jesus, so uh, it didn't really help me a lot. So we're going to take maybe a different approach than what was ever attended with this verse. I, I don't know. Um, I, there was a reason this verse was recorded. And, and I may be completely off tonight, and I apologize. And, and if you have an application from this verse that you can share with me, I would greatly appreciate it. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to travel through the life of Jesus, and we're going to see some of, not all of, but some of the human qualities of Christ. Because you see, as he stood, or as he hung on that cross, he expressed a human quality when he said, I thirst. He reminded us that, yes, he was our Savior, but that he was also human, that he had human needs, that he had human desires. And so tonight what we're going to do is we travel through the life of Jesus. We're going to look at about six characteristics, human characteristics of Christ. And so if you will, open your Bibles up to the book of Matthew chapter 4. This is where we'll begin this evening. Matthew chapter 4. Starting in chapter 4, we see that Jesus has just been baptized. And after he was baptized, he was led up into the the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And we read there in chapter 4 of the temptation that Jesus faced... From the devil. And we see all three times Jesus overcame those temptations. And the devil would try to trick Jesus into saying or doing something that on the surface went with Scripture, but in reality went against Scripture. And all three times Jesus, kind of like Eric tonight, uh, Jesus was a step ahead of the devil. I didn't see that coming. Jesus did see what was coming. When he was led up into the to the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus had an answer. Jesus had a solution to the things that were presented by the devil. 
But at the very end of that account, about midway through chapter 4, we read in verse 11 something that kind of shows us a human quality of Jesus. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. You see, we're reminded that in this moment of Jesus' life, when Jesus showed knowledge and wisdom that exceeds our understanding, when Jesus showed knowledge and wisdom that was more powerful than that of Satan, even during all of that, Jesus had needs that had to be met. We're reminded that Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was weak. And he was hungry, and he was thirsty, and he was tired. Much the way you and I feel from time to time. And he had human needs when he faced temptation. It's a little bit harder for you to face temptation when you're tired, when you're weak. It's Friday. It's the middle of summer. You've had to have kids at ball practice every night of the week. There was a gospel meeting that week. You rushed. You did everything that you could so that you made sure that you were at each and every night of the gospel meeting because the speaker was wonderful. But it's Friday and you're exhausted. And you're at work and you're sitting at your desk and temptation knocks on your door. And you're not prepared for it. And you're already weak. It's a little more difficult than if temptation knocked on our door tonight. We'd be ready. We would defeat Satan, no doubt. I honestly believe, as silly as this may sound, that we made Satan feel pretty bad just by changing seats tonight. Because it showed that you care about what you do while you're inside this building. It showed that you do have the love of Christ. Satan had to be a little bit disappointed when you came in this evening and you started choosing different seats. Because he knows that there's a lot that you understand from the scriptures. As small of a thing that is, it's a huge defeat for Satan. But you're weak, you're tired, and that temptation comes along. And it's not as easy to overcome when you're already in that weakened state. The same was true for Jesus. This was at his most vulnerable time in his life probably. In his weakest point. And yet he still put God first in his life. And he was able to overcome temptation when he probably thought, am I going to be able to do this? Just like you and I can overcome temptation even in our weakest moments. Because we know that God is there with us and that God is there to fight for us. The second thing kind of goes along with temptation, but it's something that we need to be reminded of. If you will, flip over to the book of 1 Corinthians. After this, we'll spend most of our time back in Matthew, but for just a moment, let's look at something in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Here we read, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. I know God is all-knowing, 
And so what I'm about to say, I, I hope doesn't come across as me limiting the power of God because that's not what I intend to do at all. But do you think it's a little bit easier for God to make that promise to us that we won't be faced with anything that we can't overcome when his son's already been here and overcame the temptations that he faced? Aren't you glad that you serve a God who has been there, who has done that? A Jesus that walked the earth, that was weak, that was tempted, but he overcame that temptation. And God says, because this has happened, you too will never face anything that you're not able to overcome. Because with every temptation, there's going to be a way of escape. The question is, are we willing to find that way of escape? Are we willing to look for the way out? When Jesus was tired, he found a way out with Satan. Are we willing to look for that way out? The second thing that Jesus showed was compassion. Back in the book of Matthew, in chapter 14, we read of two different events, but we're going to put these together for a moment tonight. Beginning of, of chapter 14, we read of the death of John the Baptist. And we see that the disciples came to Christ and told him about the death. And starting in verse 13, we read, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. You see, this is a moment when I believe Christ may have wanted to be alone. He withdrew to be by himself. He had just lost somebody that was very close to him in John the Baptist. I believe Jesus was upset. I believe Jesus was a little bit sad. And I think Jesus wanted some alone time. But there were needs to be met. And if we continue to read in verse 14, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send everyone away to go into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. You see, in a moment when Jesus wanted his alone time, when he had lost a friend, he remembered to have compassion for those in need. He remembered that there were people out there whose needs were greater than his at the particular time. And not only did he provide them with something to eat, which is part of the story that we remember so well, but it tells us in there that because of that compassion, he healed their sick because he had compassion on them. Jesus continued to do the work that maybe for a minute he didn't want to do because of his human qualities. But since he was God and he had that compassion he did what was needed to be done. Jesus had compassion for those that were around him. Flip over a couple of pages to chapter 21 of Matthew, and we'll see a, another characteristic of Jesus. 
from time to time, Jesus got angry. Here we see a situation where Jesus cleansed the temple. And it's that story that we all know so well. That Jesus knew what was going on and he entered the temple and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats and those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of thieves. Hold your place there because we'll come back. But I want you to flip over to the book of John. Because John adds something to this text that I think brings out a lot in this particular text. In the book of John, chapter 2, in verse 15, there's an additional detail that John includes about this moment. And when we, at least I, my whole life, have pictured Jesus angry, and Jesus rushing into the temple and throwing the tables over in disgust. Jesus who is angry. But John adds a detail that proves that's not exactly the scene that we see here. In verse 15 it says, In making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And you may stop and say, well, what does that have to do with anything? We're told that Jesus took long enough to make... A whip of cords. You see, his anger and his reaction to what was going on in the temple was not one of rage that led him to do something out of anger. But yet, he stopped and made a whip and thought about the next move to be made. And then he drove the money changers out of the temple. What about you? When you're angry, do we stop and think about our next move? Or does our next move come out of anger and hostility? You see, Jesus paused long enough to make that whip. And I think that's a very important detail that John includes. That can teach us so much. That this moment in Christ's life, when when people say, well, he, he was just angry. He wasn't thinking about what he did. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. I think he calculated the next move very dearly. You see, not only did Jesus get angry from time to time, Jesus knew how to control his anger and turn it into a positive. Can we say the same? Growing up, I I played different sports, and I love sports still to this day, as much as anybody. I'm very competitive. You can ask him, I am. I'm... We can be sitting at home, and if there's a ball on the floor, it becomes a game pretty quickly. And she rolls her eyes and goes along with it because that's who she is, and she's supportive. I know sometimes she wants to pick up a baseball and throw it at me, but uh, she goes along with it, and she lets my game happen. I'm competitive. I get angry from time to time. The important question is not do we get angry. The important question is can we control our anger? Can we use our anger for good? Some of the most successful athletes get angry in certain situations and perform to their maximum ability. They know how to control their emotions. You see, emotions are a wonderful thing when we can control them. 
can you stay in control of your emotions? Or do you allow your emotions to get the best of you? Jesus was angry from time to time. It's not wrong, I don't think, for us to be angry. It's wrong when we can't control our anger. Because Jesus showed us that anger can be controlled. The next point that I want us to move to is found in the book of Luke, chapter 19. Starting in verse 41. We see, and when he, being Jesus, drew near, saw the city, being Jerusalem, he wept over it. We see different times in Jesus' life in which Jesus wept. That's a Bible verse that we've probably all memorized because it achieved one of our Bible memory verses in Bible class as a young child. We we talked about that a few minutes ago in our meeting. That verse of Jesus wept. It was your go-to when you had forgotten to memorize your verse for Sunday morning. But it teaches us so much. It goes back to the compassion that Jesus had. It goes back to controlling the anger of Jesus. Because you see, tears do so much in our lives. We have tears of joy. We have tears of sadness. We have tears of fear. We have tears of anger. Jesus wept at different points in his life. But it was it was because he was so passionate about what he does. Or what he did. I know there are times, I, I'm a very emotional person. I do a lot out of emotion. I run on emotions a lot of times. And I know there have been times when when Adam or myself or or any other preacher has stood in this pulpit and sometimes our emotions become tears. It's because there's a love for what we do. I know you feel the same way. I I know from time to time I'll, I'll be delivering a message and I'll look out and someone will wipe a tear away from their eye. It's because you love the story that you read in Scripture. It's because you love what's going on. When somebody responds, there's always tears that are shed. It's because you love that person. And you love what they mean to you. You see, tears are not a bad thing. Tears are wonderful. Tears show that we care about what we do. How we live what it means to be a Christian. We need to look in the mirror if tears never flow and ask ourselves, why are there no tears? Is my buy-in what it should be? Is my commitment what it should be? Because if we truly call, call ourselves Christians, there will be tears. If we truly believe that eternity is what God has told us it is, If we truly believe the things that are written in Scripture, there will be tears. Because it's that important. It's that big of a deal. It's the most important thing that we'll ever do in our life. There will be tears if we're committed enough. The final point brings us back to our text. John chapter 19, verse 28. Those two words that in this verse, I thirst. Once again, I'll say, maybe there's something there that I'm completely missing. And I apologize if there is. 
But I wonder if maybe those words are there just to remind us for just a moment that in this moment when Christ was exemplified, when Christ truly showed that He was the Son of God, when all doubt was gone, He reminded us that He had also been human, that He had been where we have been. He knows what we've been through, and He'll be there for us. One thing I think is also important, and this is how we'll sum up this lesson tonight. And I know we're a few minutes early, but I encourage you to talk to the new friend that you made in your new seat. But I want to leave with a serious thought. Next Sunday evening, Adam will be preaching on the next saying of Jesus. The next saying is, it is finished. And I know he's going to do a wonderful job. And I'm not going to get off on on that point. To me, this is one of the most, it is finished, is one of the most powerful statements that Jesus makes while he's on the cross. It's one of the most important statements that he makes while he's on the cross. And I wonder, as I was preparing for this lesson, if maybe, just maybe, Jesus wanted a little something to make sure that his voice was heard clearly when he uttered the next words that would come out of his mouth. Because you see, the previous statement that he had made, there was confusion. Some people thought that he was calling for Elijah. The words that had come out of his mouth maybe were not as clear. But I think it was very important that everybody understood when Jesus said it is finished, what he was truly saying. And so he took an opportunity to remind us that he was human, but also prepare for the next statement that he would make. I don't know, that's pure speculation. But here's what I want to ask you tonight. We know that we serve a God who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. The purpose of his death on the sin was so that he could shed the blood that animals couldn't shed. To wash away the sins that animal sacrifices couldn't wash away. There's only one way to come in contact with that blood. It's through the death of baptism. When we die to our old self. And we rise to walk a new creature. If you've never come in contact with his redeeming blood, it's there. It's ready. The next step is yours. Maybe you have. And maybe when we went through these qualities tonight, you thought, you know what? I don't do as good of a job as Jesus at exemplifying these qualities or showing these qualities to others. And we don't. We never will. But we can do the best that we can. Maybe you've let anger get the best of you from time to time. Maybe you've forgotten to show compassion. Maybe you've forgotten to sit down and cry every once in a while. To be invested in what you believe in. If you have any needs tonight, 
If you're ready to fully invest, if you're ready to be fully committed to a God that knows what you're going through, whatever it may be, it may be the best moment that you've ever had in your life. You may be going through the the tallest mountain of your life right now. That's awesome. It's because of God. You may be going through the lowest valley of your life right now. But you will overcome it. Because God is there for you. Will you turn to Him? Whatever your needs may be tonight, don't leave tonight without doing all that you can. Asking for help for whatever it is that you need in your life. We all have different needs. But we can be there for each other. We can get through it together. Because I can't wait until the moment when we can spend eternity together in heaven. And we can praise God for eternity. And there will be no more needs. Because our Creator will be there by our side. If you're ready for that moment... That's wonderful. If you're not ready for that moment, make yourself ready before you leave here tonight. Do it with the people that love and care for you. You've already made yourselves feel a little bit awkward tonight by sitting in a new place. Take the next step and lay that problem that's in your life at the feet of the cross and let God take control of your life. Put Him first in your life. Whatever your needs are, come and let's figure it out together. Come right now while together we stand and while we sing.